Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Rick. I'm going to finish Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 4 today, Lord willing. We're going to read from verse 23 in part 2. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation. Okay, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what he decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and you will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdom of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion 
His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful again to be here. We thank you for your word. Help us to give us understanding of what we're about to hear. May we be tuned in and focused and apply some practical things that we can learn from the life experience of King Nebuchadnezzar. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We learned last week in the first half of this fourth chapter of the book of Daniel how the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream that really disturbed him. It really upset him. Couldn't understand it. He sent for all the wise men and uh, none of them could interpret his dream. There was only one and that was Daniel, the prophet, who could do it, which he did. The dream was about a huge fruit tree that reached to the sky, all kinds of animals and birds sheltered under its enormous leaves and branches. Then an angel, a messenger came down and commanded this tree to be cut down, but uh, leave the stump, only the stump would be left. And Daniel was the one to tell the king the bad news that that tree represented the king. So would Daniel's interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream come true? We asked that question last week. If so, why did God allow the king to be afflicted this way? Well, number one, Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that all that was given to him was not because of him, it was all because of God. Everything came from the hand of God. He said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was home in my palace, contented and prosperous. But the king never acknowledged that his uh, prosperity and his contentment came from God. The reason King Nebuchadnezzar had that glorified position as the most powerful monarch on the face of the earth was not because of him. It's because God put him in that position. And uh, we need to remember, we'll take comfort in that fact that God raises people up and he brings them down and he puts those in power whom he chooses, whether we like it or not. God's got a plan, amen? He's got a plan. It's going to be fulfilled. He was in that position not because of his abilities, not because of any other reason 
but he needed to learn that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them over the lowliest of people. So he needed to learn that, that God is sovereign. Everything he had came from the hand of God. Number two, he needed to be humbled. And that's a problem we all have from birth. Pride. We've all got pride in us. It's in the DNA. And he needed to be humbled because he was a very, very proud man. Plus the fact he was a tyrant. And he needed to be humbled and he needed to learn to love people and rule righteously and kindly over his subjects, which he did not do before he had to be humbled by the Lord. So he's going to be driven away. He's going to be live, live with the wild animals. He's going to be like a wild animal. He's going to be drenched with the dew of heaven. He's going to eat grass. So one year later, after Daniel told him what would befall him, the king either forgot the dream or didn't take it seriously, or both. And there he was walking on the roof of his palace, opulent, prosperous, not a care in the world, claiming what a wonderful life that he had, which he did. He gave the credit to himself. He really believed that all the benefits and the powers he had was all entirely down to him. Is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and the glory of my majesty? Well, he had a bit of a swollen head, didn't he? And probably if we were in his position, we might too. So this statement, however, it reveals how self-centered Nebuchadnezzar was. He uses the first-person pronouns a lot. I, I, I. Me, me, me. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. How great and powerful is my empire. It's all because of me. The glory belongs to me because I am his royal highness, his majesty, the king of Babylon. The greatest empire the world has ever seen. But the moment these proud words, these boasts came out of his mouth, whammo, judgment fell on him like a sack of potatoes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. Immediately. He was driven away from the people, ate grass like an ox, his body was drenched with the dew of heaven, his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle, and his nails like the claws of a bird. The words the king spoke revealed what he really believed in his heart. And you know what? We all do. Whatever's in our heart will come out of the north and south. That's Cockney rhyming slang for mouth. I'm sure you knew that. 
My mommy was a cockney, by the way. I'll explain what a cockney is later, if you don't know already. So, whatever's in the heart comes out of the mouth. Jesus said that. He always told the truth. He said this, Luke 6, 45. A good man, out of the good treasures of his heart, brings forth good. But an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words have real power. They have power to destroy. They have power to build up. So, whether you believe in New Year's resolutions or not, in this new year, let us try to remember to use our words to build people up and not bring them down. Let's use our words that are filled with love and not hate. Blessings and not bitterness. Compliments and not complaints. No one loves a whiner. Please. Victory, not, com not defeat. Our words are very powerful. The Apostle Paul wrote, Ephesians 4.29, and there's other verses I'll quote, I won't, because of time. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And speaking of words, hopefully we spend a lot of time talking with God in prayer, which is a good thing and a necessary thing that we should do. But we may not spend as much time listening to what God has to say, where he might be pointing out certain areas in our life or our attitude that he would like us to change with his help, because we can't do it by ourselves, by our own willpower. We need God, the Holy Spirit, to conform us to the image of Christ. Now, unfortunately, King Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that the hard way. Sometimes some of us are more stubborn than others. Some of us have to learn and keep retaking the test until we pass the test, and then there'll be another one to take. There's always another one, right? God has the ability, if you haven't discovered that already, to use various methods to get our attention. Have you discovered that yet? It's funny how we tend to pray a lot when we get sick, more so than we ever do before, especially if we're really sick. Proverbs 3, 11, 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. This is also in Hebrews. Do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. 
as a father, the son he delights in. Now, if you've got a child and that child is in error and he's doing things wrong, you continue to let that child do what it wants to do and keep on that path, it's not going to help that child. If you love that child, you'll discipline that child in a loving way <laughs> for that child's benefit, and that's what God does. He doesn't do it because he's malignant or nasty or anything like that. He's doing it for our benefit because we are his children. Yes? But the judgment came upon the king for his own benefit. Not only to teach him some valuable lessons about himself, and God is always trying to teach us valuable lessons about ourselves, because he knows us better than we know ourselves. Did you know that? God wanted to bring him to faith because God loves people. God loves and did love Nebuchadnezzar, even though he was a rascal and proud. God loves sinners. That's bottom line. God loves sinners. And he loves you. Not saying that you're a sinner, but so Daniel told him, he warned him, therefore your majesty, see, just like a father would warn their children when they're getting out of line, Daniel had to warn the king. Got some guts. Therefore your majesty, please accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. And it may be that then your prosperity will continue. But would it? We see here what believers ought to be doing, what Daniel was doing, being a witness for God, being a witness for Jesus Christ, and sharing our faith with the lost so that they can come to faith in Christ as well. Whatever job description you may have, if you're retired or whatever, you have this job description. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we're his instruments that he uses to share our faith, to bring people to Christ. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Well, we already have been reconciled if we're saved, but once we're saved, we're supposed to be a witness. Like Daniel was. A king not only needed to be humbled, he also needed to come to faith. In God, and the method God used to achieve that end was for Nebuchadnezzar to be transformed from a perfectly normal human being to a wild animal, be drenched with the dew of heaven, have feathers coming out, soaking wet, and fangs instead of fingernails. And not only his body would be changed, his mind 
would be changed. Did you notice that? His mind would be changed. He would literally lose his sanity. Because it says there in verse 16, let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. And nobody, nobody knows what kind of what animals think, you know. <laughs> but we, that's what he became. He actually lost his mind. He lost his sanity. He lost all reason, all logic. And this period of seven times pass is believed to mean seven years that he would be in that condition to go through that ordeal, that refining, that learning process, to learn from personal experience that what God was trying to teach him. And thankfully did. Now for us to change, to be more conformed to the image of Christ, it may take seven years. It may take a lifetime to learn some hard lessons that God wants to teach us. But eventually, thank God, we are assured from Scripture that one day we'll graduate and we'll be just like him. We will be conformed to his image one day. Dear friends, this is 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, when he comes back, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. What a glorious day that will be. It's getting closer every day, the Lord's return. Are you ready? So, Having gone through what he went through, did he change? That's seven years. Did he ever? Boy, did he ever. You can't remain the same person once you've had an encounter with God. According to his own personal testimony, he became a true believer in the true and living God. And then I praised the Most High God, I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from genera generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say, what have you done? He praised the most high God. He glorified and honored him and acknowledged that he was the true and living God who lives forever and ever. You know, Nebuchadnezzar could himself saved himself a lot of trouble, a lot of pain and suffering. If he wouldn't have been so proud, but because of his selfish attitude, he needed to be humble. But thankfully, he did learn from his mistakes and hopefully... We do as well. 
We also learn that God is a righteous judge. But at the same time, God is the God of mercy, who not only forgives our sins, but he also forgets them. Thank God that he does, amen? He has that capacity. No, nobody else has that capacity to not only forgive, but also to forget. So instead of God taking Nebuchadnezzar's life, which he could have done just like that, the king was restored back to his former position. And not just that, he was more powerful than he was before. Before he was the most powerful monarch on the face of the earth, but he had more power and glory than he ever had before, having come to faith in the Lord. At the same time, he says, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out. See, he was away. They didn't know where he was. But God directed them to find him, the beast of the field, and he was restored. His sanity was restored. He was back from being an animal and being restored to a human being. He said, I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before, if that's possible, which he was. So this is good stuff. You know, this is all true. And it gives you some insight about the man, but it gives you more insight in the character of God. Because God is all about restoration. He's not all about punishment. He's about restoration. And no matter how far a person has fallen, no matter how far a person has gone astray, God is able and he desires to restore back that person into fellowship with him once again. And that's where you find true peace and contentment. Walking hand in hand daily with the Lord, regardless of the circumstances. So let me wrap it up. This story illustrates no matter how powerful and how proud a person may be, they're not immune from God's judgment. And God uses various methods not only to teach the proud to be humble, but also to bring them faith, bring them to faith which he did with Nebuchadnezzar. He, he does things for a reason, a purpose. And it turned out well from Nebuchadnezzar. So maybe this is a valuable lesson for us all. So, you know, we, we are the, 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 the worst kind of deception is self-deception. We think we're better than we really are. We don't think we're proud like Nebuchadnezzar. But just listen to the th things that come out of our mouth and our attitude on a daily basis when we interact with other people. The most valuable lesson of all is not to be self-centered, 
and stubborn. God wants us to be humble. And he tells us to humble ourselves. Otherwise, he's going to bring about various methods to use to accomplish that. Just like the Lord Jesus was humble, he wants us to be like his son. And you can't get more humble than that. If we submit to God's will, then we'll be blessed. If not, we'll be judged. Let me close with this verse. Psalm 32, 8. Good advice. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by a bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Amen. Let's not be like the stubborn mule. Amen. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you. It's uh, a long chapter, and uh, we'll move on. And uh, as far as I know, this is the last time we hear about the life of Nebuchadnezzar, but he did come to faith, even uh, knowing that those four Hebrews truly believed in you. He, it wasn't enough for him to come to faith. He had to learn from personal experience. And all of us have to learn from personal experience. We can't learn from other people's experience. We could possibly learn from mistakes that others made and hopefully not make them ourselves. But the worst deception is self-deception. Even we, we may acknowledge that we're sinners, but you know us better than we know ourselves. And we hope and pray that we'll consider things that come out of our mouth that truly reveal what's in our hearts. And when we do open it, may we be a blessing. May we uh, be an encouragement to others. May we build people up by our words and not bring them down. Help us to remember this message. Help us to remember what Nebuchadnezzar had to go through in order to be humbled and to come to faith in the true and living God. You may be out there, you, you're not saved. You heard about Jesus and you know that people have come to faith in Jesus and, but you've never come to faith in him yourself. You may be conscious of the fact that you, things that you've done wrong in your life and you may assume that God's going to forget about those things and he's going to weigh up the good things that you've done compared to the bad things you've done and you know, you're not really a, a bad person and uh, you assume that God's going to let you in to heaven if you even believe in one. 
believe me, from the authority of the word of God, there is also a place called hell. And unless you receive Jesus as your personal savior, you're on that road that leads to destruction. He doesn't want you to go there. And that's why he died for you on a cross and suffered in pain and anguish and bled so that you could be forgiven of your sins. He took the punishment that you deserve. He didn't have to do that, but because he loves you, he did it. So if you believe that, and you also believe that he rose again from the dead, having been buried, call upon his name to be saved, and your life will be transformed, and you'll never regret it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.